Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. Welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. I have an extra special guest joining me today, my dear friend, Hannah. Hannah is a published author, Akashic guide and healer and spiritual life coach, helping individuals connect with their inner child and soul selves to heal trauma and energy blockages. Hannah is the founder of Healing with Hannah and the author of Entering the Divine One Breath at a Time, an exploration of healing through sobriety and spirituality, which we will talk about in our conversation today. Hannah believes holistic modalities are an imperative part of healing stemming from their own personal experience with chronic illness and past trauma. Hannah guides and supports individuals on their healing journeys through Akashic Records, Astrology, Ayurvedic healing, counseling, oracle and tarot card reading, meditation, Reiki, somatic coaching, therapeutic art, trauma-informed healing, vagus nerve regulation, witchcraft, and yoga. So Hannah's a little bit of a one-stop shop, and we love that about them. Hannah helps you to dive deep into your healing journey. They will guide and support you while you learn to connect with your inner child and soul self again healing trauma and energy blockages, all the while blooming into a version of you that you are proud of. Hannah, I am so excited to have you here. You are a little unexpected gift um, that came out of a little bit of a tough time um, in my life. And it's one of the things that I am able to look back and know that things really do happen for a reason, even when things seem like there's no you know, blessing in disguise or hidden thing. There's always something beautiful that can come out of some of the biggest challenges that we have. And me finding you, our friendship, our relationship, I learn so much from you on a daily basis. We have so many different things in common, which I'm sure we will touch on in this recording. Um, But for the people who don't know you yet, I would love for you to share in your own words a little bit about your story, your journey, where you were at and where you're at now, because They are two very different places. Yes. Thank you, Amber. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Amber, I just second everything you said about me. I reiterate and I mirror back to you. I always feel so welcomed and loved in your presence. So I'm so excited to be here. And oh, my goodness. Buckle up if you're listening. Um, So my journey. Well, really, my journey uh, with healing started with my physical body as maybe that does for others i am with multiple chronic diseases and i was actually born uh, two and a half months premature and my mom was told she would never have children so i was a miracle baby um she was actually going in for a endometriosis excision surgery when she found out she was pregnant i did not know that part of your story hannah oh my goodness we hear about people that are like you know like they go in for like they think they have a uti or something like that but this was like a major uterine surgery and surprise you're actually pregnant wow so my mom i remember she told me she was like you're joking like she didn't believe them because of all the complications she had had so um you know coming two and a half months early i think was just a little teaser of how i was going to be in the world of uh forging my way in and then creating my own path so anyway starting out with this being born premature you know there's always some health complications and so from the minute I was born, I was sick. And this is going to play into my story. So I just wanted to share that first and foremost. But things really uh, took a turn when I got my first period. So I got my first period when I was 11 years old, uh, maybe 75 pounds, soaking wet, and would bleed for a month at a time. And we suspected I had endometriosis. Uh, for those listening, if you're unfamiliar with endometriosis, it is a chronic reproductive condition. It is a hormonal disease. It's actually an autoimmune disease triggered by hormones. They're still confirming this, uh, but I like to stay very well educated on on the condition. Anyways, what happens is um, the endometrial-like tissue that's 
you know, we shed every month something similar, not exactly will grow on, you know, the uterus, the fallopian tubes, ovaries, other organs, yada, yada, and creates a ton of discomfort and pain and infertility for some cases. And, um, you know, the list of symptoms just goes on and, and this affects one in 10 people. But of course, you know, I, I feel for so many listeners who may be going through this journey of getting a diagnosis because it does take up to seven years usually for us to get diagnosed. Uh, but because my mom had endometriosis, my grandma had endometriosis, my aunt had endometriosis, my mom was very vocal and said, you know, something, this is not right. Something's wrong with my daughter. We need to do tests. And of course, I was so young. So what did they do by the time I was 15? Well, let's put her on birth control pill. Let's go on birth control because that... Don't get me wrong, family planning is amazing. And we're so lucky that we have that. And I think at the time of when, you know, anywhere from like the late 80s to mid 2000s, birth control was seen as a kind of cure all for so many different things, right? Acne, um, there, you know, we could go on. So it's been birth control. And oh my gosh, how many birth controls was I on before we finally was able to regulate my period? I still was getting tons of pain, missing weeks of school at a time. Um, and it was debilitating. It really ran my life. You know, I, I didn't have much of a life because of my pain. And by the time I was 16, I just was so, I was struggling. And I mm. turned to alcohol. And of course, underneath all of this, there's a lot of trauma. There's childhood abuse. There's abuse of my teens, emotional, physical, sexual. And alcohol was such an easy scapegoat. It was so, I felt so liberating. You know, mm. it was like, I remember taking shots or a drink and being, this is how it feels to be calm in my body. I'm just, you know, it was... It brought me to a place of safety that I couldn't feel on my own. And that led to all addiction. Mm. That led to me using street drugs, cocaine, MDMA, ecstasy. I'm sure methamphetamine because I was not getting my drugs from, you know, as much as we would think, it drugs from a reliable source. Like, it really, <laughs> you know, no, we, we, we don't, sadly, we don't. And, um, it was interesting because I remember feeling like I was living a double life because mm. I was still going to university. I went to Ryerson, which is now the Toronto Metropolitan University for uh, fashion. So my undergrad is a Bachelor of Design in Fashion Communications. And I went to school and I did well. But this whole time, I was a functioning alcoholic. You know, in my travel mug wasn't just coffee. It was coffee and Bailey's or you know, gin and water, depending on the time. Um, and it was, it was really my, it was my, it was my crutch. It was my everything. It kept me going. And, you know, years and years through this, it took me getting to, I guess we could call it rock bottom. And I'm not going to go into the story. When I woke up on January 1st, 2019, and I heard my grandfather who had passed away, I heard him and he said, what the fuck are you doing? And I sat with that and I was like, what am I doing? I'm not happy with this person that I've become. And at that time, this is kind of funny looking back, I was working in addiction. When I had switched my path and I had gone from being um a fashion <laughs> marketer and putting on these huge fashion shows and these events to getting into art therapy and teaching art therapy to uh, adults with physical and mental disabilities and that became this eye-opening experience of like, i think this is where i want to go like i think i want to help people heal through and so oh, that led me into okay. working on addictions just by fluke a friend said hey you know we're looking for people you bring something to the table. A lot of people don't. Like you're willing to start an art program and a yoga program. And so I was working in addictions when I still had an addiction. I stopped using drugs. I was still using alcohol. And I felt such, I felt so hypocritical. I just felt out of alignment. And I thought, if these women that I'm working with can go through hell and back 
And I, I don't think we should ever compare our stories because we're also unique and our lived experience is, is valid and what we have experienced, our pain is valid. But seeing what they had gone through and what they were choosing to, to choose themselves to be sober. And I just, fuck am I not choosing myself? Ooh. So I decided I wasn't going to drink and I didn't put a timeline on it because I, I had done this in the past where it was like, I'm not going to drink for a month. And then the month would end and then, you know, you'd go back into the cycle and it was this big celebration of not drinking with drinking. So I didn't put a timeline on it and I just kind of let the universe know this is what's happening. And I was so grateful that my family was so supportive. My mom had been telling me for years that she thought something was wrong and that I had a problem and addiction runs in my family. So she recognized it right away. Um, my friends were very supportive. I was, I'm open and honest with everybody. And of course I was working in a sober environment. So mm. having, you know, staff and residents that were all sober and that could support me and I was honest with them, you know, and it, it made some of my connections with my residents are bond stronger because I was vulnerable and just said, Hey, like, I'm not perfect. Like you all have helped me recognize that I've had work to do. And so I went back to therapy, you know, I, I dove head first back into my yoga practice and not from the asana lens of like yoga postures of like truly the eight lens of yoga, let's embody what yoga is, let's live this philosophy. And two months into my sober journey, I was diagnosed with liver disease. And it was not from alcohol and drugs. And that was my biggest surprise uh, because I truly believed that it was the damage that I had done. I had done everything down my liver, I assumed. But it was from the birth control pill. Wow. It was, um, I was diagnosed with uh, multiple hepatic adenomas, which is a fancy way of saying liver tumors. Uh, benign liver tumors that were vascular and fueled by estrogen. So they took me off the birth control pill right away. And it was just this like, let's monitor, right? The, usually this is a this is a 10% chance. 10% of people on birth control will get these liver tumors. Not talked about. Like the amount of times I asked my doctors long-term complications with being on birth control because I'd been on birth control for 11 years, didn't have a period for six years to help my endometriosis symptom. And they all said no. And, you know, it is it, 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 in their mind, it is uncommon, but it's like, we should still be talking about this because if I had been told this is a possibility, I would have been off of it. Mm, informed consent. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I just got chills as you said that informed consent oh that's so powerful and so true and so they took me off the birth control pill we monitored things for a while um you know MRIs every few months and they, nothing was changing and so usually what happens is within six to 12 months of going off birth control your you, these things will shrink your body will naturally start to regulate and these things will shrink that's what they see about 97 percent of the time um i was in the two percent so things weren't getting better. And actually, my periods were getting worse. I was ending up in the hospital every time my period passed. And so my doctors, my, my you know, gynecologist was like, we need to, she needs to have quality of life. We can't have her not on something right now until we can figure this out. So they put me on Orlisa, which is a um, GNRH antagonist, which means it tells that part of our brain that tells our ovaries to produce um, or sex hormones to not produce the sex hormone. So I'm a fake menopause. They put me on this and it was great because we actually found that it started to help the adenoma shrink. So the tumor started shrinking. And we were like, oh my God, this is like, you know, helping the endometriosis. This is helping the liver disease. Of course, six months into this, my periods came back and things got a hell of a lot worse. So I had to go on hormones. Very small amount of progesterone. And... I guess these adenomas, these tumors really liked that. And they started to grow again. And so I found out, and Amber knows this well, in um, uh, August of 2021, that uh, my 
four of my liver tumors had become life-threatening. They were at this point where they were going to rupture. And if they ruptured, I would die because of the internal bleeding in the liver. And they gave me six months to live. They said, if we do not do this surgery, you die in the next six months. So this needs to happen. And that was the pivotal moment on my journey where I knew this surgery is not only going to save my physical life, it's going to save my soul. And this is where the Akashic Records really supported me um, when we could talk about that. But I had I had life-saving surgery. I had liver resection surgery. They cut me from breastbone to belly button and across my entire right side. Uh, they, it was a four-and-a-half-hour surgery. They removed the four tumors. The one tumor was nine centimeters wide. It was half the size of my liver. And no wonder I was in so much pain, pushing on all these other organs. And of course, the doctors kept telling me, you can't have pain from this. You can't have pain. We know our bodies best. Mm -hmm. I have <laughs> We removed a large tumor. So I healed from this. It was a, it was an extensive healing journey. Um, you know, learning how to walk again and sit up again after you've been cut wide open and all the things. Um, but it was such a beautiful catalyst to be healing karmic patterns on a soul level. Because of uh, what I learned um, going into my own Akashic record and also teaching me that I had built the capacity to be still. Because for someone who lived with complex PTSD for most of their life, I could never get still and feel safe and feel okay. And so the surgery taught me that actually, yeah, the past few years I had built that capacity. And I recognized in that moment that I didn't give myself enough time to reflect on how far I'd come. Hmm. Even though I'd written and published a book, even though I'd worked with hundreds of people, teaching them and guiding them through the ways that I feel. And so it was this reminder of celebration. How can I celebrate myself every day? How can I celebrate life every day? Something that came through to me on this past weekend, I was at a room healing workshop. And the woman went around and did Reiki and, and my abdominal massage on us. And she was working on me. The message I received was, death is inevitable, but life is a choice. And I'm just going to leave it there. And I think this is one of the reasons that you and I connect so deeply. Um, it's this shared experience without having a shared experience. And sometimes I feel like when I meet other people who have lived with long-term health challenges, it's kind of like this like superhero thing where like you have this alter ego and it's like, unless somebody else has the same type of alter ego, you kind of like don't know until you're in the club kind of a thing. And I met you and energetically, I like just knew right away. I'm like, oh, she's, a, she's in the club. Like, you know, if we're going to be honest, you could probably like run for president of said club. But it is one of those things where we get to choose how we interact with the things that our lived experience brings to us each time around. And I know for me, the years that I spent in bed, I, you know, I, valued so much about like the type of car that I was driving, the type of job that I had, how much work I was able to do, the fact that I could work three jobs and have a social life and, 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 and all of my value was external. All of it was external. And so when all of that was just stripped away, taken away, and I'm just this person laying in this bed who can't do anything do I have worth? Do I have value? What life do, do I have? What does it even mean? And do I even believe that it's worth being here? And it's in those moments where you really do get to decide how you're going to show up, how you're going to show up for yourself, what you actually believe in. And do you have intrinsic value just because you're here and you're a soul and you are existing in this time and space? And a lot of the way that we live as humans, it takes a takes us away from that truth. It takes us away from the truth that we have value just because we exist. And especially as somebody who can't always have the, that same output, 
or that same utility that we're expected to have, it really butts up against that where you're constantly like, what good am I? What value do I bring? What is even the point of all of this? And being able to navigate through that and still continue to find the lessons and be able to pass those lessons on, I think that that's something that I value because I see it as the people that I work with, maybe I can help you learn this and you don't have to go through, you know, four years of being bedridden, but you can still learn this lesson through me, through my lived experience, through your own lessons and being able to look at them in a different way. Um, And that's where I do see, you know, chronic health challenges as this bridge that gets you out of being a human and really gets you in touch with your soul. Yes. And yes, Amber, everything you said is just, I'm just feeling it so deeply in my body, like this resonant. just being seen. And I I think that's why sharing my story has been such a big part of my journey as a human, but as a business owner, because I want people to feel seen and held, even if that's just reading a page of my book, let alone working with me in a one-on-one container. It does not matter. Or maybe it's through an Instagram post, or maybe it's through listening to this podcast, like just to be held and seen and heard even if it's not, you know, even if it's just through someone else's story, like that is just such a gift. And so I'm really blessed. Yeah. And I, and I really think that that's one of the things that we feel like we, we need to like go away from other people to heal. And you've chosen to heal in a self-created spotlight. Can you talk a little bit about that because this is a call that you have been very transparent about. It hasn't always been easy to answer. Um, and it there has been times where there has been struggle, there has been darkness, there has been thoughts about just wanting to give up and not do this because it's very, very difficult to be so vulnerable and so open and so transparent and put your healing journey completely out there for, again, the benefit of other people but also in the way that you're standing up in leadership saying like, hey, like you're not alone, but that leaves you in a space where you're really using that vulnerability and it, it's not an easy call to answer. Yeah. Oh, you said that so incredibly. It has been, I guess, a choice of coming back to choosing myself and and for so long I didn't choose myself right like a lot of us in our in our journeys of whether it's the things we experienced in childhood the conditioning I was bullied a lot growing up um for being unique being weird being out there and having you know crazy pants on or you know being that weird brown girl like there were so many things and I internalized everything because I'm an empty and I don't use that term in the way of, well, like, I'm going to absorb everything. No, I'm going to have those boundaries now. <laughs> but I didn't have boundaries for so long. And I internalized everything because I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be liked. Don't we all? Mm-hmm. Our natural instinct as human beings is connection. And I come from a divorced family. And I have a huge abandonment with my father, who left when I was young. He came back. He's in my life now. We have a good relationship. But that doesn't mean that that wound doesn't still come up. So that is what has always kept me in the energy of the chameleon in the past. And the chameleon, I used to really, I used to really pride myself on being that person that could mold into whoever I needed to be, depending on the groups that I was with. But that was me not feeling safe to be me. That was me being who I thought I needed to be with those people and hiding a lot of who I was. And so the bullying that I experienced in, it was really like you know, elementary and junior high that that was had me in these moments of rock bottom at a very young age of feeling, do I, am I worthy? Do I deserve to exist? And what saved me was dance. Like dance 
was my outlet. And dance is where I had friends that I still talk to to this day that supported me, that loved me, that saw me in my weird pants and my crazy Indian outfits and whatever else that I was bringing to the table. And getting that love from a different community is what I needed to feel safe to be. Because by the time high school hit and I hated ever, and I know that's a really strong term now, I send love and light because I've released a lot of my sisterhood sisterhood wound pain, but I really hated the girls I went to school with. I didn't feel safe. It, it, it helped in the sense that I thrived academically because I just threw myself into school. Um, but I, I got to this point, I remember grade 10, where they would try everything and anything to get under my skin. Thank you. Because I knew these people didn't love me for me, so I didn't want them in my life. And so that was a big moment of choosing me. And it was funny because it was around the same time that I started drinking. But I had really supportive friends outside of school that kept reminding me that I was awesome. And so, you know, every time I chose myself, I pushed up against that resistance. Yeah, I think we do every time we choose ourselves. There's a new layer that wants to be peeled back. And so it was reminding myself that I'm strong enough to peel back that layer. If I was strong enough to still be breathing, standing, living, you know, going to school, having a job, whatever, while living with all the chronic pain and fatigue and the symptoms, I just was like, well, well, of course I can continue to choose this next layer, this next version. Um, And, you know, it was there was many relationships that I was in where the person I was with really tried to stifle that energy. And I would sink back into old patterns and sink back into old ways of being and shrink again. And then something would happen where it would force me to come out, right? It's almost like the universe just is like, okay, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit. You're not listening. You're not taking these little signs. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something big at you. And that was, uh, you know, me having to leave my ex-partner. And he was abusive. And choosing me out of that relationship leaving an abusive relationship is really hard um, and again then choosing to move back to winnipeg leaving toronto leaving everything i knew from that life i created because my health wasn't I had to choose there we go and so it's just been coming back to choosing myself and having knowing that there's going to be some layer of resistance and i think now that i've been doing the work for a little while you know, five, seven, ten years, but really the last five years of healing my nervous system, which Amber is so well attuned to as well, has given me that opportunity to expand through the resistance because I feel totally safe to do so. Hmm. There's so many different pieces that I I want to reflect on. And I think the first piece I would love to just bring attention to is the importance of community because you highlighted how important it was to have your friends at dance because you had a place where people really got to see you for you and they were welcoming and loving and accepting. And you had that space where you could show up as your whole self um, and the courage that gave you to be able to show up differently in other aspects of your life. And this is where I I tell all of my clients and anyone who will listen that like, we're not meant to heal alone. We are meant to heal in relationship. And it is so important to find safe connections and safe community um, to be able to do that because all of the people in our lives are reflections back to us. But what kind of a mirror they are, that is the thing that you have to pay attention to. Because if somebody is a dirty, cracked, broken mirror, the reflection that they're going to give you of yourself is going to be distorted because of the type of mirror that they are. But if you're looking at yourself in somebody who is a beautiful, radiant, um, clean, clear mirror who can actually reflect back to you that accurate highest version of yourself, it helps you to see yourself even more clearly. And this is also why I love that you offer so many group programs. Like, yes, people can work with you one-on-one. Yes, people can learn from your content in your book. But um, I had the privilege of being in one of your groups. And it was 
such a beautiful experience because you hold this space where you dance between being a guide and a leader, but also being a part of the community and modeling and being able to really give everything that you can to create this safe space by being a part of the safe space. And that is because of your lived experience. People tend to trust other people who have gone through similar experiences and for better or for worse, you have quite the collection, right? So this is, you know, where people can relate to you because of, you know, domestic, you know, abuse, sexual abuse, childhood abuse, uh, chronic illness, like there, you have been given all of these things to heal from so that you can be a living, breathing example to other people that this is what is possible. And being that type of permission giver and, knowing that the place that you're at now, the nervous system regulation, which I really view nervous system regulation work as enhancing that communication between your soul and your physical self. I think that is really what nervous system regulation is because we're in these bodies, which like, I I love my body so much. I'm so grateful for you body, but like you're, you're like literally like a 50 year old car model at this point. Like we're, we're working with this really old technology. And then like we put this soul in the driver's seat and the soul is expecting us to have like a sunroof and automatic windows and blind spot, you know, prediction or whatever the heck else. And we got crank windows. We have to like, you know, make sure that like we got all the gears going, like it's this whole thing. And so then the soul is like, um, <laughs> excuse me, you you don't work for me too good. And the body's like, well, screw you. This is what you got to work with. And then they just stop talking to each other. And nervous system regulation is a lot about how do we find that common language between this physical vessel that we're existing in and also this beautiful consciousness that we come in with. Um, so I just love that you're at that place too, because I really am I'm like finding that to be very juicy right now as well. Oh, I just I got full body goosebumps like the whole time you're talking because it's it's so it's so true. I mean, when we are in a ventral state, like that is a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah. It just it just is so juicy. I love and it seems like so basic, right? When we think about nervous system regulation, because much like you, you know, I have all these like trainings and certifications and workshops and all these things that I've gone to. And I'm like, they're all amazing. They're all great. They're all super, super useful. Obviously my training is in, you know, conscious work of like talk therapy and then, you know, going on to do more work in terms of like subconscious and somatic, like all these different pieces. But what is the ultimate goal of a lot of these things that we're doing, whether we're talking about hypnotherapy or attachment theory, or even, you know, the eight limbs of yoga, like what, what is the point of all of this? And really the point of all of this is to find that congruence between making peace with the fact that how we're experiencing this mentally, emotionally, spiritually is very different than how we're experiencing this physically and physiologically and biologically. And so this is where like, that has been such a game changer for me. And then I can really let people know, Hey, all these things are useful. You're kind of looking at the same goal, but it's what feels good for you in terms of your approach point. And that's why I love that you offer so many different ways for people to approach healing because what's comfortable for one person might not be comfortable for someone else as an entry point. I know like when I first started, like (laughs) doing somatic work, I was like, (laughs) no, no. So we're going to like breathe until we're like writhing and crying on the floor. No, no, we're not, we're not going to do it. Now I'm like, yes, like let's bring in the gongs. Let's get all of the sound healing and let it all go. And like, and like now I'm very comfortable, but when I started out, mm -mm. Absolutely oh my not. gosh, same, same, Amber. Oh my God, I remember when I started doing um, training in soca-centered art therapy, um, you know, it was it was quite extensive. And when we first started around, like just they would ask me or when I would be, I'd be the client and I'd be partnered up with the, the practitioner, you know, how does, what does that feel like in your body? What is this in your body? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm used to feeling that in my body. Like, I was 
so confused. And that was 2018. That wasn't that long ago, right? And I've been practicing yoga. I've been dancing. I've been doing practices that you think would have you very in tune with your body, but not in the way that allowed me to communicate with my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because I think we, we're just taught to compartmentalize. And oh, we yeah. can do that with our healing too, right? And that's where I feel like people are like, yes, I have done therapy. I have done, you know, hypnotherapy. I have done shadow work. I have done somatic practices, like, but you're compartmentalizing. So you're like keeping that little pocket of healing in that space. You're not bringing the somatic work into the subconscious work and then being able to integrate that with your conscious work and being able to then like, elevate that in terms of going forth and maybe doing some womb womb healing or sister wounds or whatever, really integrating that into what it actually looks like in a relational sense. So that's where I feel like a lot of people get stuck. And I I talk to a lot of people are like, I've done this and this and this and this, and I'm still feeling super freaking dysregulated. And I'm like, okay, great. So you just learned five languages, which is amazing. Love that for you. But the thing that's missing is that common tongue that you can bring so that all those five languages are going to be able to make sense to one another. And that's where I feel like nervous system regulation is like this like keystone piece to integrating all these different modalities that we are engaging in. Yes. I am so excited for people to hear this. We're like, we're just, we're very like nerdy when it comes to this stuff. So, and that's, and so honestly, I would love Hannah, if you could, in your own words, maybe break down a bit of what you've done on your path to being able to find that common tongue in terms of all of your healing modalities. Because I think people hear nervous system regulation, they're like, okay, cool. So I'm supposed to count to 10 before I talk to someone, or I'm supposed to take some breaths, but in a very practical sense, like what can nervous system regulation look like? Honestly, I believe it's consistency. It's showing mm. our our bodies consistency and the internal nervous system as a practice that feels really nurturing for your heart and your soul. So, you know, that could be a myriad of things. Like, but I always like to say with people when they're very first starting out with this, what did you love to do as a kid? Love that question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that's going to bring you back that pure joy, that love, that connection to whatever you had. And then using that as your consistent point every day, is it like, did you love, um, you know, creating scrapbooks as a kid? Maybe it's buying stickers again and doing art journaling every day. Like that's what your consistency is, right? I, I say this very much at the beginning phase because I think for a lot of us, when we think, okay, well, nervous system regulation, that means I have to get still. That means I have to breathe. That means I have to be in my body. And if we're not comfortable with that, we're not going to do it because we're just not there. So that's why I always say start with those things that really light you up, that make you feel really good and do your best to bring it in every every day, five minutes. Mm. So that's all you need. Um, And then my favorite one, especially if you're starting out and you're not comfortable with your hands on your body, is just the hands over the heart. Because that one is pretty common. Something I think all of us can do when we probably all done, right? You know, when you feel good sometimes. Like, um, and so coming here, and and I know I've shared this with Amber before, but, you know, when we have our hands on our heart, it signals to our brain that we're receiving a hug. So you're giving your heart a hug every time you do this. And like, how many, how many hugs do you think your heart needs in a day? Like endless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's just another way to come back to yourself and to just take a few breaths. Um, if that feels okay, if that doesn't feel okay, that's okay. <laughs> you just got to meet yourself where you're at and take these baby steps because we have to work within our capacity. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, I always, I always say this, for example, when I first started my business, you know, I started working with this business coach and she told me, and I love her to death, she was going to get me to like XK months, right? And I was just starting out. So I was making maybe $500 a month. How was I supposed to get to, let's just say 10K was my, how was I supposed to get there? The magical 10K. <laughs> I like this magic number. And if my capacity was only at 500, right? Like I was going to have to build my capacity up to, okay, maybe 750. 
get there, maybe a thousand, right? Because my nervous system, my body, my soul even couldn't handle going from making 500 a month to 10 day. That is a completely different world. It's so unknown that my physical being cannot understand. Maybe my soul self can start to visualize and bring in that energy, but my physical body literally cannot understand. So that's what being stuck. Yeah, and that's just even checking in with yourself. That it's such a basic thing that I realized when I first started working as a therapist, I would, you know, very generally open session with how are you? How was your week? You know, very general, like, you know, we're sinking in, we're making that connection. And I was shocked at how many people were just like, um, good. No. Um, uh, oh God, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, let's sit with that a minute. Let's really like, instead of just reflex answering that question, like, how are you good? How are you? Like, really, you know, there's a book by Jenna Kutcher right now. How are you really, you know? And I was amazed that half of my session would be just them figuring out how the fuck they really felt like that. That was it. That was, and that was like groundbreaking for so many people where they, they were just like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, guess what? Like you can do this like every day. You can do this multiple times a day. You don't even need me to do this. You can actually check in with yourself and ask you, how are you doing really? And people started coming to me being like, you know what? I actually realized I'm an angry person. I had no idea. I'm actually really freaking angry. And I'm like, cool. That's amazing. Let's talk about that. Like, where is that coming from? And it's like, you know what? Nobody actually listens to me. Nobody listens to me. I am so nice all the time. I'm so nice. I'm so happy and I'm so easygoing and I get a lot of praise and reinforcement for that, but it, I'm fucking pissed off because nobody takes me seriously and nobody listens to me and nobody values my opinion. And so, you know what? I actually want to start yelling at these people. I'm not going to do that because I would like to keep my job. I would like to keep my marriage, whatever it is. Um, but inside I am raging. I had no idea. And I'm like, wow. This is this is really good work. And that really started to get the wheels turning for me in terms of really being able to check in with ourselves and then also be okay with whatever answer we're getting. Because a lot of people are like, I'm angry. I don't want to be angry. So I'm just not going to check in with myself and acknowledge my anger because I don't want to be angry. But well, newsflash, you are. You are angry. Like avoiding it and like just not checking in with yourself is not going to do anything about the fact that you're actually angry, you're just going to avoid it and it's still going to exist. Um, and this was something that so many people were doing where they had just been taught, whether through implicit or explicit, right? Like narratives to remove themselves from how they were feeling because how they were feeling was not acceptable. And so then we can't live, like give love and compassion to ourselves for how we're feeling if we are having unacceptable feelings, um, and that is actually one of the things that I really appreciate about your teachings is that it all belongs. It is all welcome. We can extend so much love and compassion to ourselves, no matter whether we're feeling light emotions or heavy emotions, right? Because we're not good or bad. It's just different sides of the spectrum. Um, and really, you are a good model for putting all of those heavier things on display and letting them be so freaking okay. Oh, thank you, Amber. I truly appreciate that. And I, you know, it, I was one of those people that refused to let myself be angry, but because I never knew how to feel anger, I really did not know how to feel anger until I was 26 years old. And mm -hmm. it had been a liberating journey because anger is such a valid healing sacred emotion that has so much to teach us because there's always so much underneath that anger and it's that tip of the iceberg and it was free so it was, you know anger is sacred and i bring that in and i remind people like let's get angry you know, at times i screamed on sessions with clients because mm -hmm. we just need to get primal with it like yes let's do it and that gives us an opportunity to come back to what's really going on within and receive that inner wisdom without that cloud because we allowed ourselves to feel what we need mm. to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
keeping promises to ourselves. I think, you know, that consistency piece that you had highlighted earlier, I was just working with a client earlier today and she's processing through something really, really, really heavy. And she was like, I don't want to feel this all the time. And I'm like, you don't have to feel that all the time, but you do have to let your body know that there will be times that you are going to feel it. And if you set that certain time and space aside, you keep your promise to yourself. Um, a few people in my life know this right now, like the year two has been really hard for me since losing my dad. Year one, it was a lot of numbness, a lot of shock. I don't think I really felt my emotions to their fullest extent. Year two, it's really integrating this new reality of living without him here. And my work is holding space for other people. And so there's not really a good time Monday through Friday for me to be in a grief ball, like in a corner sobbing. It's just, there's no space for it. But that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, well, because I'm a therapist, I don't get time and space to feel my grief. I have a contract with my body right now that like once I finish work 3 p.m. on Fridays, I'm pretty much sobbing from 3 p.m. on Friday until 3 p.m. on Saturday. And it's been that way for the past couple weeks. And my partner knows like, hey, I'm here. If you need me, like whatever, let me know. But like I might take a walk. I might play harp. I might journal. I might sob. I might watch like things on net, whatever it is that my body needs. But for those 24 hours, I'm like, all right, body, what 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 did you store up this week? What, what do we got to like work through? And it is not a great way to start my weekend. <laughs> it's not. I don't look forward to it. I don't enjoy it. But I do know that it is so important for me to keep that contract with my body right now so my body can hold on to all that stuff so I can do my job during the week, trusting and knowing that I have made space for that to all come through. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that consistency, that's really what nervous system regulation is because our bodies kind of like don't have, I tell people a lot, like I feel like the body is just like this being, but it doesn't have like vision, right? So it's like hearing things and sensing all this stuff, but it doesn't have contextual awareness. It doesn't have the visuals to put things in a way that makes sense. And then your conscious mind is the eyeballs, right? So you kind of have to bring these two together and get them to communicate so your body can understand what the hell is actually going on because it's just trying to keep us alive. That's it. It has one job. It's just trying to keep us alive. And so like I say, body, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you so much for wanting me to feel this so it doesn't turn into illness, so it doesn't turn into anger, so it doesn't distance me from my relationships or create anxiety or cause me to feel like I don't want to have a family someday because I might lose them, whatever that would manifest as. Thank you so much for wanting me to feel these things. But then those eyeballs, my conscious mind is like, we also need to pay the bills and we can't be showing up crying to our sessions because that's unethical. Um, so we've had that little negotiation thing. And I think I really wanted to bring that up today, Hannah, because that's actually something I learned from watching you um, and your beautiful communication with your body and being able to be so loving and kind in that communication and really being like, body, what is it that you need? What, what, what are you? And like really listening and being willing to lean in and creating so much space. And I think that that's why you've been able to come back. And again, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but from an observer's perspective, I think that's one of the reasons you've been able to come back over and over and over again from, a lot of things that would probably have taken other people down if we're being completely honest. Thank you. Yes, resiliency. I, I just, it's been a part of my DNA. I think that I was woven into my codes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just the magic I meant to remind people we can be resilient. We are naturally resilient, actually, because our bodies are resilient. Just like you said, Amber, they're keeping us alive think about breathing you know, think about the blood pumping through our vein um and so one thing i want to i just want to touch on and like how like the akashic reference kind of play into uh you know some of this understanding of what's going on in our bodies mm -hmm. so the akashic records uh for those listening the akashic is a high vibrational fifth dimensional field of consciousness uh, where pretty much is like the highest vibrational field we can access as human. Um, and it, your 
Akashic Records are your soul's timeline. So we have access to past lives. We have access to your ancestors, whether that's your star ancestors, your familial ancestors, goddesses, deities. We can work with issues coming up in present day. List goes on. Literally, you can do anything in the Akashic Records. So I, when I was diagnosed with, um, no, I'm sorry, when, not when I was diagnosed with liver disease, when I uh, was told I had to have the surgery because, you know, um, my life was being threatened, I was so fearful. I was so fearful. I knew on a logical level that I was going to be okay, like that I wasn't going to, something bad wasn't going to happen through the surgery. But I was on a soul level, like my soul, I was so scared. So I went into my Akashic Records and I found out that I had died from liver disease in multiple lives before this. Mm. And that this was the life that I was healing my karmic contract with, with liver disease, which really stemmed from a karmic contract I had with addiction. So it was this, you know, beautiful understanding. And the, the story is much longer than that, but I will, I will spare everybody from that, those 15 minute long story of, of how I received this message. But it was this understanding that, you know, I'm healing something that has been with me for lifetimes and that I am choosing, right? Like I'm choosing to heal this. My soul decided, hey, we're going to get liver disease, but we're going to heal from it this time. And really what happened, and this is, you know, for those listening, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, I'm sure you do if you're here. Um <laughs> My soul, before it came down to be Hannah, it was said, Are you fucking kidding? Like, we gotta do this again. Because I was healing addiction, mm. liver disease, ancestral trauma in the womb space for my mm-hmm. entire feminine lineage. Um, you know, like not choosing myself, silencing myself, sacrificing myself, like all of these karmic impediments. It was like, no, we're going to heal all in one line. Mm-hmm. And so when people say to me, Hannah, you've lived so many lives in your 30 years. It's like, yeah, yes, this life is a testament to that. And how grateful I am that I found the Akasha and the Akashic Records when I did it because Knowing what my soul has been through and what it is focused on healing for myself and for the collective is what keeps me in alignment with my vision and with choosing my body and telling my and, and and allowing my body to be whatever it needs to be in those moments, especially those moments when I'm lying on the bathroom floor in a pool of sweat because I was just throwing up because. That's my current reality every morning right now as I get used to my medication adjustment. So I give myself permission. I go back to bed. You know, I make my tea or my bone broth. I rest it out. If I wake up again in an hour and I'm not okay, I will reschedule my entire day. If I'm good, here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, we actually, we rescheduled this podcast. This is our our second scheduling of this podcast recording. And when you reached out to me to ask, you know, to reschedule, I loved it. Like I, I loved it. That's like, I'm like, yes, awesome. Thank you so much for honoring your body and for honoring your energy and your capacity, but also in turn honoring me in this space and wanting to be able to show up, but knowing that in order to show up in that way, you have to take today to rest. And I think that's where a lot of people get this message of like, push through, push through, push through. But in the pushing through, you're actually dimming your light. You're actually taking away your ability to show up in your purpose, to be intentional, to be able to shine in any way that is sustainable. And it is this hustle culture, this hustle mentality that has tricked us into thinking, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you're menstruating. It doesn't matter if you've had a miscarriage. It doesn't matter if, you know, you have just had surgery or if your dad died, uh, you know, over a year ago. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, get over it, get over it, get over it, get over it. But we carry these things with us every single day. And how present each of those pieces are can shift and change moment to moment, 
day to day, week to week. And being able to know where you are goes back to that nervous system regulation of being able to check in. But then if you're going to take the time to check in, be willing to listen, be willing to actually give your body what it is that it's requesting for, because then that feels extra bad. If you're going to take the step to check in and be like, oh, that's cool. You want to rest? Well, tough shit, you know, buck up buttercup. Like, you know, we have shit to do. Like, I don't care how you feel. And so then your body's not going to trust you. And then that creates a whole, you know, other host of issues. And we're really like, just from a very young age, even when like we're crying people are like, don't cry, stop crying. Um, we are basically taught to not trust our bodies, not trust our, our physical reactions to things, not trust that congruence between how we're expressing physically and how we're feeling emotionally. And being able to not only listen, but also heal, right? That brings in the whole inner child thing where we're willing to reparent ourselves by questing for our needs and then having those requests be granted, um, that's what builds that safety and that congruence because secure attachment, it's great. You know, if you have secure attachment with like everyone else in, in your life, but if you don't have that secure attachment, that secure relationship with self, then it, all of that's kind of meaningless because the one relationship that we have for sure is the one that we have with ourselves. And I feel like that is a beautiful thing that you model. And I really encourage anyone listening to, follow Hannah on social media because it is it's very raw and honest and open over there. Um, I get a lot of inspiration just from the way that you show up and you are, you're real, you're honest, you are very vulnerable and you are in this position of leadership and you are able to hold big space for your clients while still holding a lot of big space for yourself and your own healing journey. And it is absolutely possible. There's plenty of room for both. Yes, there is so much room for both. And I recognize that, you know, being a healer, I need healers, right? And I have so many people who hold me and Amber is one of them as a soul business bestie and just someone who also I look up to you and how you emanate leadership and that you're just your essence is leadership. So, well, it's, it's going to end this podcast with a little love fest. Um. <laughs> it is Valentine's Day. No, it, it actually is. I was thinking about that because that's actually something I have never, and I think part of it is because I started my career as um, a marriage and family therapist, right? So, like, I have never, like as an adult, I've never observed Valentine's Day because I would just see people fight. Like I would, oh my gosh, it was so many people would just fights over Valentine's Day. And even if I was seeing an individual, they had, it was just, it was this whole thing where I was like, you know what, freaking forget this. Like I don't need overpriced chocolates and flowers and whatever card. Like you can, you know, you also, you should be letting me know that I'm special and important to you every day. Um, so that's like a whole other conversation, but you know, for the purposes of this being on Valentine's day, I have no problem sending all the love out to you and to everybody that is going to be listening to this. And I, I do want to ask you, Hannah, you know, for the person who is feeling like they are just, in the pit of despair, they have nothing to give. Their life has no purpose, which, you know, there could be none of those people listening to this. There could be one of those people listening to this. There could be a person in that place that listens to this five years from now. Um, speaking to that person, that past version of yourself, if you will, what is a piece that you could maybe offer for them in terms of what you've learned from the Akasha to give them something to hold on to, to believe in? First, what always comes through is just like, you know, your one best. I think that's so imperative. You know your body best if you feel like something is wrong and no one is listening. It, as, as hard as it is, keep advocating for yourself until you find someone who listens. Mm. And I'm really referring to the medical health journey and, and, and whatnot, but this can be in any type of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic health. Um, and then really, you know, you, you're, your body is a physical manifestation of your soul. And so with that knowing that your body is a physical manifestation of your soul, how would you treat your body differently? Would you do anything different? What do you do that already honors that you're 
body is a physical manifestation of your soul. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that right there kind of really ties everything up because we forget that, right? We, we love to disconnect and compartmentalize. Um, and if, if nothing else, just even being able to tap in and tune into your body enough to be able to answer that question, um, is a really beautiful place to start. And hopefully that leads to you being able to choose yourself because if we, are not able to show up in leadership for ourselves first, we cannot show up in leadership for others. And I believe, you know, that there are no such thing as followers. I believe that everybody is meant to lead in some way, shape or form capacity. Everyone has gifts. Everybody has purpose. Everyone is here, you know, to be able to learn lessons and share their light and be a beautiful and vibrant and whole reflection to one another. I feel like that is, that's the the quest here. And so knowing that even if it feels kind of pointless, um, because it, it does, you know, at times like this human, this human shit is hard. <laughs> it's hard. There are days where it could suck pretty bad. Um, but really leaning into the fact that there is divine support and divine guidance. And if you're having a hard time accessing that, um, Hannah is a beautiful person to reach out to. Um, I've been able to get a lot of messages, especially since, um, my dad's passing in terms of just feeling connected, feeling like, okay, I can still lean into this human thing, even though like, I don't like that. I don't have any control. I don't like that. Anybody could die at any moment. I don't like that. My health is not guaranteed. I don't like any of those things one little bit. Um, but I can still show up and be the best freaking human that I can be with all of those things still being very real and true. Um, and having that, knowing that we are a part of something greater has really helped me to keep moving forward. And Hannah is a really good phone a friend uh, for <laughs> being able to like get that divine connection. So can you share a little bit more about how people can kind of, you know, get that messaging through how they can connect different ways that you support people in that? Of course. So, um, you know, as Ever mentioned, um, I am a little bit of a one-stop shop, um, <laughs> but I am a manifesting generator, and I really do thrive on 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 having just like multiple avenues to support people. So, if you are just getting started, I always just invite people. You know, read read my book. Um, it's twenty two Canadian dollars on Amazon. Um, you know, Walmart. It's online on Walmart and Birds and Noble as well. Um, if you want to buy a copy of me, you can always reach out to me through my Instagram and I can send you a signed copy in the mail. But that's a really, really wonderful place to start because you can understand just like who I am and my energy and my vibe, right? To see, do I want this person to hold me through my journey? Uh, and then if you're like, I do like this person or you're like, hey, I don't want to read your book. I just want to get to know you more in other capacities. I have a wonderful membership. It's called the Lunar Lives Membership. And I support people in living in alignment with the moon and her beautiful phases and recognizing that that reflects in our own phases and our own inner seasons. And we meet twice a month on Zoom for live new and full moon calls. Uh, and then there's tons of pre-recorded content and 100 plus resources. Uh, that is $44 a month. All my princes are in Canadian dollars for anyone listening who isn't in Canada. Um, and then I have my, my containers, which are, you know, longer containers of consistent healing. So I have Sacred Heart, which is a group Akashic healing program. It's a six week program. We blend, um, Hindu mythology with somatic healing, with ecology, with Ayurvedic healing, um, and of course the Akashic record. And then I have the Wild Witch Coven which is a super fun container and it's all about reclaiming our witchy powers, our intuitive abilities, our high priestess energy. And that is an eight-week container where we meet every week um, on Saturdays. We come together and we get really wild and witchy. We're creating potions, we're doing magic, we're doing spells, and we're doing tons of work in the Akasha. Um, and then, of course, if you're really looking for an intimate container, my one-on-one -on -one, um, 
Empowered Mystic Akashic Mentorship is a three-month program. And it's actually currently 50% off until June. So it's $1,500 for the three months. Um, and we really dive deep into helping you feel rooted in your essence so you can continue to birth your divine creations, whether that's a business, you know, a side hustle, or just a more intentional life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if people wanted like an Akashic Records reading, how would they, they access yeah, that? Of course. Thank you, Amber. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. I do one off Akashic Record readings and you can find that through my Instagram and I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll be in the show notes. And um, yeah, or if you want to reach out to me, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm sorry I'm saying this is real recording. Um, I'm going to send you a link, Amber, people who are listening can book in for Oh, Hannah, that is so generous. Wow. Thank oh. you so much. Cause I was literally about to say like, and Hannah does run specials. So like, you know, keep an eye on, on the Instagram, you know, different stories and things like that. That is, that is incredibly generous. And I really honestly, like this is, has nothing to do with Hannah being my friend or being on this podcast, but I highly, highly, highly recommend. And I think all of you know, at this point, I am not going to have anybody on this show that I do not uphold as an ethical practitioner who is in their integrity. Um, because I know it's very hard to know who to turn to, who to trust, who can safely hold space. Um, and Hannah is 1000% one of those beings who you can feel safe going to having that monetary exchange, that energy exchange, um, and knowing that you will be safe, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically. Um, and I think that that's really important. And I also love that you started out your offerings with like, read my book and see if I'm for you, right? Because not everybody is meant for everybody else. And when we're doing this deep healing work, making sure that you are connecting with the guide, whether it's a coach, therapist, you know, healer, whatever, connecting with the guide that truly resonates for you, that is, you know, really the most important thing because people are like, who should I work with? I'm like, you need to figure out who you should work with. Like I can give you a list of people to kind of like, you know, do vibe checks with, but ultimately like you have to be open to really knowing who you feel drawn to. And if it's me, great. If it's Hannah, great. If it's somebody else, great. Because any healer that is there for the highest good of the work that they're doing is never going to take offense if you do a consultation with them and then you're like, you know what? I, this doesn't feel aligned for me. Awesome. Thank you so much for honoring your truth. We love that. We support that. And that's a really good way to know when people are in their integrity. And that's one of the things I know um, Hannah and I have talked about. So again, check things out. Do what feels good for you. Hannah, thank you so much for this really fun and like nerdy conversation we got, we like touched in a lot of different um, places. And I think that's the really beautiful thing when you get two people on here that are like channels, we're just like, we're just going to open it up and see what's going to come all through. And we just, we know it's going to be good because it's divinely guided. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation today. Oh, honestly, it's my pleasure. I am just feeling so much gratitude. Like I feel like I'm vibrating. I just, this conversation was so nourishing and I know that it's going to resonate because I can just feel this energy ready to be received. So, so grateful. So, so. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, Exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.